Welcome to the North Shore Vineyard Church audio podcast. I'm Crispin Schroeder, pastor of North Shore Vineyard. Today on the podcast, we feature audio from our service on July 4th, which is a continuation of our look into the incarnation of Jesus and how we as Christ followers can better incarnate God's love to those around us. So we're going to be, this, this message today is a very practical look into loving folks through listening. I think you'll find this very helpful in your everyday relationships. Also, I want to remind folks that this Saturday coming up, July 10th, we will begin an outreach in downtown Covington we are calling Bag Hunger. We're going to distribute some 300 bags in neighborhoods in the Covington area with instructions for folks to put food in them, which we will pick up the following Saturday and deliver to the Covington Food Bank. So this is our first opportunity to try something like this. So if you're in the Covington area, we'll be meeting at, at our church for 9 a.m. on Saturday. So love to see you out there. All right. Well, let's go to the message. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to check us out on the web at northshorevineyard.org. It's been a while All our old clothes are back in style We went our separate ways Only to return To face a lesson That we failed to learn We didn't understand the truth we were blinded by the eyes of you But time kept on moving And a change has come And you think that I don't know Where you're coming from But I feel just like you And I cry just like you but I hear just like you under my skin. I'm just like you, yeah. You gave your love and innocence, and they took away your confidence. But you're not those women And I'm not those men Put your arms around me I am your friend And I feel just like you And I cry just like you But I heal just like you and under my skin, I'm just like you when I'm nobody else. When I get hurt, I cry for help. And I got secrets that God only knows. And God knows I feel 
just like you and I cry just like you but I heal just like you and I break down just like you and I feel just like you and I cry just like you but I heal just like you under my skin I'm just like you Give it up for the tightest band in Covington. One of my favorite uh, blues singer-songwriter guys, a guy named Keb Moe, wrote that. And um, I like this song because it kind of hits on some of the things that we've been talking about the last few weeks. If you haven't been here the last few weeks, go online and and it'll kind of catch you up to speed. But we've been talking about this idea of the incarnation of Jesus. The incarnation. That may sound like a a big word. (laughs) And... uh, but the incarnation is just basically the idea that Jesus loved us enough that he stepped into our world. He met us right where we're at. He didn't love us from a distance. I mentioned a few weeks ago that if you look at the time Jesus spent here on earth, he spent 90% of that time doing what? Just being a normal human being living in the world we're at, connecting with us on just a, a, a regular human um, level. And then the last 10% of his life, he spent doing the things he's famous for. Preaching, teaching, healing the sick, raising the dead, the cross, the resurrection. What we're looking at for, the, for a few weeks here is, is kind of how do we live in light of that as Christ followers? How do we uh, embody the incarnation? If, if that's something that Jesus did, that's a very important thing. A lot of times we like to tell people what we believe. Any opinionated people in here? like to air your opinion on it. We like to tell people what we believe. We like to tell them God is love, but we don't show them. And so I like this song here because this song is kind of talking about two people who've had some, some disagreements in their past. Can you hand me my uh, hula hoops over here? I'm going to do a show. My 4th of July is spectacular. Uh, <laughs> actually, I used these as kind of an analogy last week that every one of us has a worldview, a lens that we kind of view life through. This is our safety zone. This is our collection of our, 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 our family values, our cultural beliefs, everything that, that seems normal to us. And in this song, it's, it's kind of a conversation between two people who've, who, who, who have not connected. They're, they keep bumping up against each other's beliefs. Some of it's immaturity. Some of it's uh, different things that they believe. But they're not really getting to, the, to, to, to how they actually feel on the inside. And so the chorus of the song is, I'm just like you. When you get past the externals under my skin, I'm really the same as you. I mean, we've we, we really got commonality there. And I think that that's, uh, I'll use my hula hoops in a minute. I, got, I can't do all my tricks at once. But uh, uh, that's, that's what I kind of want to hit on this morning. So the, the title of this message is Two Ears and One Mouth. And you can probably figure out what that's about. But I'll start off with this. There was, a, there was a lady, she was very prim and proper, and kind of grew up in a family where discussing bodily functions such as passing gas was not, um, not the norm. And, but as she grew older, she started to have some intestinal issues. And so one day she got over her fear of embarrassment and said, you know, I just got to go to a doctor and get checked out here. So... 
she, she went to the doctor's office, and she was in the waiting room for a good 20 or 30 minutes, and finally the doctor saw her and said, how can I help you, ma'am? And she said, well, I got this problem. I'm kind of embarrassed, but, um, you know, yesterday I went to lunch and, and with, with some friends, and over the course of lunch I had five or six silent gas emissions. And then... Later that evening, I was at a, at a cocktail party with some friends, and, and during the course of the conversation, I had another three or four silent gas emissions. And then she said, in fact, it's so bad that today when I was out in the, in the lobby, you know, waiting to see you, I had another five or six silent gas emissions. Doctor, you've got to help me. What can I do? Well, the doctor looked at her and raised his voice a little bit. He said, well, the first thing we got to do is get your hearing checked. <laughs> Some of you will get that in a few minutes. <laughs> Today we're going to talk about hearing. <laughs> how, not, not, not specifically your physical hearing, but how you hear people. You know, I've I've given the assignment the last few weeks that for us to love people by listening to them. And we've kind of laid more of a theological basis or philosophy of 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 that the last two weeks. And today I'm going to it's going to be very practical today. It's a very practical message. So um I just want to start off with a question. Have you ever anybody in here ever been misunderstood before? Anybody? Are we in the right place? Yeah. <laughs> How do you like that? How do you like it when you get misunderstood? I, I can think that there's, there's, you know, my list of least favorite things in life, I think misunderstood is, is way up there. What does it feel like when you get mis- misunderstood? Well, you, you feel devalued, don't you, or disrespected, you know? Have you ever said something, and it's not just a little misunderstanding, it's like somebody takes it and turns it around on you. It's, it's completely opposite, 180 degrees of what you intended, that's why, that's why I could never go into politics. That and people probably wouldn't vote for me. But um, I, I, can't, I can't imagine being a politician. Can you imagine the stuff that they have to face? Like every, you, you're in a, a field where you have to speak publicly, but knowing that everything you speak publicly is going to be dissected and taken out of context and put on the evening news and have commentators. And if you do one screw up, it's going to be on YouTube and it's going to be 5 million hits the first day misunderstanding. And, and, and when I have times where I get misunderstood, I just feel like, like, how could you think that? How could you think that? That's not my heart at all. Well, here's another question. Have you ever misunderstood someone else? Anybody? Oh, we got a very understanding crowd here. No. Uh, you ever misunderstood someone else? That, that you took what they were saying in a way that was completely opposite. You know, there's a, one of my favorite authors, now deceased, but his name's Henry Nowen, and, and I love this quote. He says, to care, first of all, means to be present to each other. From experience, you know those who care for you become present to you. When they listen, they listen to you. When they speak, they speak to you. Their presence is a healing presence because they accept you on your terms, and they encourage you on your terms, and they encourage you to take your own life seriously. Have you ever had somebody do that to you before? Somebody that, that's present with you? You ever talk to somebody and you can tell they're not 
not, not with you? It's kind of like some of you in the room today. Like, like you're thinking about barbecue and stuff. I can see it on your face. <laughs> you ever talk to somebody and you can tell they're, they're, they're looking at you, but they got this glazed look in their eyes, and, and, and they're just somewhere else. Maybe they're thinking of how they're, they're, the story that they're going to tell that's going to top your story, but, but they're somewhere else. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's what we're talking about. Oh, well, I got a story. Oh, I can't wait till I get a word. But what Henry Nowen's talking about, he said, people who truly care about you, when they listen to you, they, they listen to you. You can see it in their posture, their body language, and they, they, they don't have the agenda of changing you. They're just simply trying to understand you. And, and can you think of a, another way that, that shows that somebody loves you that much? See, we, t- we tend to think of love kind of in action, in, in sense of doing nice things for people, right? That's love, you know? You love your wife, you, you do some things that are nice. You serve, you uh, maybe get flowers or something. We tend to think of love kind of in that aspect. But one of the, I think one of the most, the, the greatest ways we can show that we love somebody is really the way that we listen to them, the way we try to understand them. And if you've ever had somebody do that to you, you'll know that that's the case. So our text for today, you know, the last few weeks we've been covering like 40 or 50 verses out of the Bible. Today we have one one verse. Because I figure if we can get this one verse down, we'll be like the coolest church in town. Um, James 1.19 My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. All right. Amen. Do that this week, and we'll see you next week. Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Anybody have a problem with that in here besides myself? I I can pretty much tell you my default way of living is exact opposite of this. My default way of living is to offer my opinion the moment somebody says something. I'm very quick to speak and very quick to speak with my opinion because it matters so much. I'm very slow to listen, particularly to people that have divergent opinions. And I'm very easy to get offended with someone. That's my default. That's Crispin without the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and it's probably... Some of you guys as well, I would suspect. So today, I, I want to look at some ways that we can maybe slow the pace down of things so that we can be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Because really, a lot of what we got to do in our lives is just slow the thing down a bit and learn how to not react with snack judgments. So I'm going to look at, at, at four barriers here today on, on listening, and you got them written in your outline there. I think as we come to terms with it, you're, you're not going to eliminate these barriers in your life. Uh, to some extent, I think we will carry these, these barriers with us, but, but for the rest of our lives. But what we can do is become aware of them. And I've found that over the years, as I've, I've become aware of these things, it's made me a better listener and a better communicator, though I have a long long way to go. My wife says, amen. Um, the first barrier to listening is we don't care about what others have to say. That sounds kind of like a no-brainer. But, but think about this. There are people in your life, it may be a Democrat, maybe a Republican, maybe a woman, maybe a teenager. And for whatever reason, you don't listen to them because 
you don't think that a teenager or a woman or a Democrat or whatever has anything to offer. So immediately, there's no, there's no trying to enter into the world of that person because you don't respect them. So number one, <laughs> our biggest barrier, we just don't care. I read this quote that I, I thought was really, really good. It says, and I don't know who wrote it, but it's good. Every person in life has something to teach me. As soon as I accept that, I open myself to truly listening. Every person in life has something to teach me. As soon as I open myself to that, I become, uh, I start moving towards truly listening. Think of how life would be if you, if you took that attitude everywhere you went. If you started saying, God, I'm going to this meeting with some other people at work. Teach me something through them. God, I'm, I'm talking to my kids today. Let me hear your voice through them. Let me learn something through them. You know, when I was back in Kenner before we, we planted this church, uh, the Kenner Vineyard, we had this program that Dina was the director of called Kids Hope USA. And the, and the premise with Kids Hope, I hope we can start it here in, in uh, Covington um, before too long. But basically, it's a partnership between a church and a, and a school. And we kind of adopted this local public school. And we sent in mentors from the church that would spend one hour a week with a, an at-risk kid. So these kids were coming from, you know, a lot of them had broken homes. They had, uh, some of them, it was right after Katrina, they'd lost their house. And, and so, I mean, they, just things falling apart in their lives. And so just having one positive relationship in their life with an adult was, it just did amazing things for them. I happened to be a mentor in that program. You know, I was the first mentor, and, and we did that for a few years. And for some reason, all the kids that I mentored ended up leaving the school after, you know, like I, I, I got, some people were able to stay with the same kid for four or five years and I would just get a new kid every year. So I, I continually had to, to, to figure out how to enter into the world of a child because this is the other catch of kids hope. Even though it was a partnership between a church and a school, the one condition was you can't proselytize people. You can't be evangel- evangelistic. You can't share your religious beliefs. All you can do is love a kid. So it's kind of like you, you can share the gospel without words. I learned a lot in it. But I, I began taking this attitude at some point. Not, the last kid that I, I uh, mentored was a kid named Joaquin. And real cool kid. He was like 12 years old. And I, I, when I first started meeting with him, I'm trying to figure out how can I connect into the world of this this African-American kid that comes from a different kind of family background, a different age. I mean, we, we seem worlds apart. And then one day I'm talking to him, and I found out he likes football and basketball. Well, at first that was discouraging because I've, I've shared with many of you, I don't play football very well. I'm a big fan of the Saints. I'm horrible at football and basketball because while other people were playing football and basketball in school, I was playing the piano, you know? <laughs> and so at first I thought man, I'm trying to connect with this kid and his favorite thing is football and basketball. So you know what I ended up doing? I said, Joaquin, why don't you teach me how to throw a football? And I meant it. I really meant it. He, he probably, he might have thought that. <laughs> and so every week, I'd go there to school and we'd go outside and he'd teach me how to throw a football. And we'd play basketball. I was his student. <laughs> Instead of going in with the attitude that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show this kid what's up and, and teach him everything, I went in as a student, and you know, as I began to take that posture with him, wow, it opened up the doors for all kinds of things. He began to respect me. You know, kids, 
if we if we got the kids in the room to be honest, you know, a lot of times they don't feel like adults really think we can get anything from them. <laughs> but when we take that posture, everybody has something to teach me. I got, I, I got to tell you, I learn a lot about God from my kids. If I if if I'm paying attention, if I'm approaching it as a student. So the first barrier is we don't care what others have to say. Second one is wanting to fix things. This is this is probably a problem that's a little bit more endemic to to the males in the room. Um, I remember when Dina and I first got married, the first couple of years, uh, she would begin telling me some issues she was having, a problem she was having with a friend, something, and she'd usually tell me about 10 o'clock at night when we got into bed, and that, that, that made it worse because I'm the type I like hit the bed and I'm asleep in 30 seconds, but I'm prying my eyes up and, and, and trying to show that I care. And she would get about 30 seconds into her problem, and all of a sudden I got the duct tape out, and I'm like, oh, well, here's what you do. Here's your problem. You just talk to her like this and do this and this and this, and you're done. <laughs> Anybody ever done that before, guys? And, and, and Dina, she, she would tell me, she's like, I don't want you to fix this. I'm not telling you this because I want you to fix it. And I'm like, why, you, why would you even say anything? <laughs> she said, I'm not telling you this because I want your brilliant solution to my relational conflict here. I want you to hear me. I want you to understand what I'm going through. Dude, that was like the biggest learning. Le- I, that took years for me to finally get. And I finally, I finally got it to the point now where Dina, sometimes she's telling me something. She's like, okay, can you help me with a solution for this now? <laughs> you can never win. You can never win. <laughs> but one of the barriers to listening to somebody is when we're in fix-it mode. When somebody's trying to share you their heart and, and you're immediately trying to solve their problem. Now, there may come a point where they ask for you to help them solve the problem. But our primary way that we love somebody, we enter into their world, is to just listen to them on their own terms and try to understand where they're coming from. So that's a barrier to listening. Third barrier that we look at this morning is inherited listening problems. Do you know where you guys learn how to listen and how to hear, how to communicate? Where do you learn that? From your parents, from your family, the families you were raised in. And this is a problem because we feel like our families are normal. But ain't nobody got a normal family, okay? <laughs> Nobody's got a normal family. And, and the way your family dealt with communication, it's going to influence the way that you listen to people and the way that you talk to them. If you were in a family where people were shouting all the time, back and forth, then when you hear very intense emotions, you may shut down. You may just like, oh, I'm not hearing. You may be in a family that was very passive-aggressive. Like they'd say, oh, everything's okay. Nothing's the matter. Slam a door and, you know, here's your dinner, honey. Uh, and so, so everything was spoken one way, but the actions betrayed what the words were. Or you may have been in a family where there's a lot of manipulation and guilt. And so you know, everything was, I might be describing some of your families right now. Uh, (laughs) And so everything was tinged with with trying to manipulate. And so if somebody shares a genuine emotion with you, it may come across as manipulative, whether it is or not. So one one thing that we got to realize is that every one of us has some, some, some things that are ingrained in us that we picked up, we inherited it. It's just, you know, we grew up in a family. 
And we've got to become aware of those things. And that, that's a whole other message in itself. But I think as we become aware that none of us hears things clearly. Say that with me. I don't hear things clearly. <laughs> as we begin to understand that, it helps us in listening. When I start realizing that, you know, hey, the way that I grew up, I have, there's certain things that, that I just don't hear because of the way I grew up, then I can, I, can, I can pay attention to those things sometimes. And so when somebody says something to me, I'm like, am I hearing them right, or am I just processing this through what seems normal to me? And the last thing is hot-button issues. Everybody's got hot-button issues in here. Everybody. It may be, you know, them Democrats. Maybe them Republicans. It may be the tax system. It may be big government. It may be BP. Everybody's got the BP button right now, right? But becoming aware of the things that push our buttons. <laughs> Hot button issues have a way of when somebody's talking to us and they, they tell us something, it has a way of putting up a barrier, doesn't it? You know, when somebody hits your button, you're like, ah, I'm not listening to anything they have to say. I, I disrespect them now, you know? Again, we need to become aware of these things and just learn that, you know, it's okay for somebody to have a different view on something, an extremely different view. We need to not let that shut us off to communication, but, but still begin to listen to them. So I, I've kind of, to get this very uh, practical, I, I borrowed, uh, we got a book in our bookshelf back here. Um, if anybody is interested in getting it, they can get it here. Okay. Uh, and, and some of this comes out of there. It's called Emotionally Healthy Church by Peter Scazzaro. And, and this is how we, we learn to slow down the, the conversation through reflective and active listening. When you're speaking to somebody, when you're, and this is a good, and, and I put this on your out, outline, couples, we got any couples in here? I put this on your outline because you can actually, this can be your homework this week. You can try this a couple of times. It's going to seem very awkward probably the first couple of times you do it. Um, but the idea is to get us to approach conflict and listening and speaking in a little bit different way, a way that actually uh, loves the other person and, and, and tries to listen. So when you're the speaker, talk about your thoughts, your own feelings, and your desires. You ever get in a conversation before and somebody's trying to talk about their things and then all of a sudden they start accusing you of stuff? Anybody? You know, they, instead of talking about like, I'm mad about this and this and this. They start saying, you're the problem, you know, and, and that doesn't make you want to listen very much. So when you're the speaker, talk about your own thoughts, your own feelings, your own desires. Secondly, try to be concise and focused in your sharing. Use short sentences. Don't start off by saying, you know, honey, I'm kind of upset that you didn't deposit that check the other day because we bounced the electric bill today and, and I had to go down to the bank and, and deal with the NSF fees and while I'm talking about banks, you know, I'm really upset with all the bank regulations they're doing in this country and, and I don't, you know, it's just irresponsible, you know, <laughs> la, 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 la. Be short and concise with your issues. This is how I'm feeling. This is the deal. I'm owning up to what I'm, I'm, I'm at. Continue speaking until you feel that you're understood and correct your partner if you feel like they've said that if they missed something, okay? You could solve a lot of things right there. And then when you finish, say, that's all for now. <laughs> that's all for now. Be back in a minute. Uh, then ask your partner, is there something you've got to say? 
Now, when you're the listener, we're getting to the listening thing here. Put your own agenda on hold. This is probably the hardest thing to do when you're having some conflict with someone is to put your own agenda on hold. Suspend it for a minute and just to try to listen. Secondly, allow your partner to speak until he or she completes a thought. I, I love li- listening to people on CNN. They get two different politicians up there, and they're talking. They just start, somebody says something, well, this is how I feel. on the book. Oh, it was, it was, you know, and they start cutting each other off before they can complete a thought. And we do that with one another, don't we? Or is it just me and Dina? Um, <laughs> and then, once your partner has completed a thought, begin with the phrase, what I hear you saying is... And then try to accurately reflect reflect your partner's words back. Avoid judging, interpreting, or paraphrasing. And then ask, is that correct? Am am I getting the true sense of what you're saying? Now, some of y'all are thinking, oh, this is, this is, it sounds good, but that's crazy. No way. It ain't going to work in real life. No, it it does. Let let me give you a a, a little um, example. It's a, it's a recent example from my own life. Um, Dina and I, we had this condo down in Kenner that we'd been trying to sell or rent out for the last year and a half, and we finally did rent it out, yay. And, uh, yeah, we rented it out, finally. We didn't sell it, but, hey, we'll take rental right now. And um, so a couple of weeks ago, our, our air conditioner was actually stolen about a month ago, so we had to put a new air conditioner in. But, um, so now it's got a new air conditioner. But I was down there with some, some guys who, had, who were helping me put a new air conditioner. I mean, actually, they were putting in the air conditioner, and I was just doing other odds and ends. But I was trying to fix some things up before the tenants moved in, and one of the things was this gate. And we have this gate that when we were living there, like, it was a little messed up, but I knew how to work it. I knew that you had to come to the gate, and you lift up on it, and you shake it a little, and you turn it this way, and then it opens. And as long as we were living there, I didn't have any problem with it. And, uh, but apparently the tenants that were moving in, they, they just couldn't get the gate open. So I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll fix the gate. So uh, while I was over there that day, I was working on the gate. Finally, finally got it to, you know, fixed and uh, went to the hardware store, bought some washers and stuff and got it all put together. And I spent a good bit of time working on it. And so I get home later that day and, and Dina says, so, did you fix the gate? And I said, yeah, I got it in a good place. And she's like, oh, you got it in a good place? You know, she, she had some, some rather sarcastic comments, which as soon as she said them, I'm kind of like, what? I just, I woke up early on a Saturday, and I drove all the way down to Kenner, and I'm out there in the hot sun working on this gate for like an hour and a half, and all you got to say is some sarcastic, you, you're not thanking me or something? And so it, our our... our I'm not, this isn't the good example, by the way. <laughs> it's like everything that I'm saying do the opposite. Uh, <laughs> so, so what started, it, it, this little place, within a matter of a few minutes, it blew up into this thing where we're yelling at each other and all this stuff. And so finally, finally, at one point, let it cool down and say, okay, here's the point. We get into a little bit of this reflecting. It's like, this is what, is really making me upset with you right now because I feel very disrespected by your little sarcastic comment. <laughs> so she said, so what I hear you saying is, no. Uh, but we began doing, but, but the point of the, the thing was, 
we began talking, and, and what we realized was when I said I got everything in a good place, she took that as I just rigged it up to just kind of work. <laughs> because, and her sarcastic answer was based on a history of, she's like, well, isn't that what you've done before? <laughs> But what we realized as we, as we started talking through it, you know, a lot of these, again, a lot of this stuff was just things that we were, we were hitting on the boundaries and, and, and we, weren't, we weren't seeing eye to eye. We were just miscommunication. When we got down to it, reality is we both wanted the same thing. You know, we both wanted the gate fixed. We wanted, and, and that's what had actually happened. Actually, we weren't fighting about anything other than a misunderstanding. It was a miscommunication. But the way we got there was we started doing some reflective listening. So I would say, okay, this is, can, can you understand what I'm saying here? I'm feeling very disrespected right now. I'm feeling like you're attacking me as, as your husband. And she's like, well, I feel like, you know, you, you have, she didn't say it like that. She didn't do the head thing. <laughs> I can see another argument happening after church today. <laughs> Dang it. Somebody else want to talk? <laughs> no, I think, uh, let's say a prayer and go. Um, <laughs> but that's, that's just one simple thing. But, but, you know, honestly, I think most of our arguments at this phase in our marriage, it's that stuff. After all these years of being together, it's these little misunderstandings and what makes it bad is we fail to really listen to one another and understand see I was misunderstanding her she was misunderstanding me she wasn't trying to disrespect me and I wasn't trying to be a lousy husband we just misunderstood each other so through reflective listening and that's where this exercise comes in I don't expect any of y'all are going to sit down and you know when you get into a heated argument this afternoon and say oh let me get out that thing from church so, honey, tell me about your thoughts and your own feelings and your own desires and try to be concise. Uh, <laughs> but I think it's like any, any discipline in your life. You know, if, if I practice guitar during the week before I get up here, then, you know, like that song, if I had practiced it a little bit more before I got up here, I'd have played it a little bit more, uh, a little bit better. If we practice things when things are not emotionally charged then we have a little bit more awareness when we actually get into a moment where there's a conflict. You know, if you practice it when things are going good, like, hey, this is a great time, we're happy, we love each other, let's, let's do a scenario here and, and let's just talk about the saints or something. This is how I feel about the saints. So I, I, I understand that you like Drew Brees. Yes, he's a good quarterback, whatever. Take something non-volatile. And then that way when you get to a volatile situation, because I can tell you now, after doing this stuff a little bit here, last few years, now when I'm in that conflict with Dina the other day, when we're fighting, all of a sudden I'm like, at some point after the, you know, a few minutes of intense emotions, I'm starting to think, okay, wait, wait, let's, let's, let's try to turn a corner here instead of just deteriorating. The last thing is validation. When you go through this reflective listening, and I don't think I had room to put validation on there, but you can write it in. Uh, the last thing is, is validation. That you tell the person, you know, if you truly have got to a point of, of hearing them out, then it's a matter of, okay, I can see 
how you might feel that way. That's where I finally had to get the other day. It's like, okay, in reality, I've not been the best guy on the gate. I can see how you might feel that way. <laughs> and she could say, I can see how you feel that way about the comment that I made. I, I, I get that now. Validation is a hard thing when it, when it comes to people that we don't agree with. You know, like, like somebody, for, you know, sometimes it's hard to get past the politics or the whatever of another person say, okay, I may not agree with you, with your conclusion, but now I, I kind of, from, from stepping inside your shoes a bit, now I can kind of see how you might feel that way. When we do this, it communicates love to one another. It really does. And, and, and that's, we need to do that with people outside of the church, but honestly, when, as I'm looking through this stuff the last few weeks, I'm like, you know, we probably need to do that in our own homes a little bit. <laughs> if you've got teenagers, you might want to try this reflecting, reflective listening strategy with your kids. So why don't we uh, stand and uh, we'll just close in a word of prayer before I get myself into trouble. More. Mo trouble. <laughs> Lord God, we just we, we want to just admit today that, Lord, like the song that we sang earlier, in our weakness, we, we invite you to come. Lord, we, we just admit what crummy listeners we are, God, that we, most of the time we're self-centered. We don't care. We judge other people. We don't really want to understand those around us, God. We ask for you to do a work in our hearts, Lord. Do a work by your Holy Spirit. Lord, that we could start loving right where we're at, loving our own homes with people around us, God. Lord, that we could step into their world. Lord, we could see what you're doing. We could be part of your reconciling and your redemption. God, we really, really need help with this. So I just, I pray your grace on every person gathered here today. Then in this week, they would have ears to hear. They would truly have ears to hear. Not just what you're saying, but what other people are saying. And Lord, in those moments where we get emotionally charged, Lord, that you'd help us to step back. To lay our defenses down. To suspend our judgment and our agendas to listen for what you're saying and to hear the heart of another. We just ask you that, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you need prayer this morning, uh, we'll be glad to pray with you. If not, you can. Uh, we'll see you next uh, Sunday. Next Saturday, if you're going to do the Bag of Hunger Outreach with us, love to have you here. Guys, have a wonderful day. Happy 4th. Bye.